Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. Well, guys, we're going to start a new series today, and our series is called Devoted, and it all is all about your relationship with God. And your relationship with God is very important because all the things that happen in your life will flow out of the depth of that relationship. So when we talk about having a relationship with God, that means different things to different people, depending on your background or maybe your history. I'm sure that we could find people that when you speak about having a relationship with God, they kind of interpret that as, yes, being a religious person and doing things for God. There would be many people that when you speak about, you know, having a relationship with God, it simply means going to church, maybe standing up and sitting down and reading out of a book. Uh, Maybe for some, it means reading a Bible. Now, guys, all of those things are good things, but you could do all of those things and not have a deep relationship with God. There is something beyond what we might call the religious practice and activity that you can get caught up in in church. And it's about having a deep personal relationship with God. A lot of the stuff that we see at church, it's all about public display or maybe, you know, public discipline, so to speak. You know, you could be going to church and attending small group and doing all of those things on the surface. But guys, even if you did all of that, it might not necessarily mean that you have a deep relationship with Him. Actually, your relationship with God is not about public disciplines, but personal devotion. It's about how you're personally devoted to God. And if you ever meet somebody that's personally devoted to God, you will see that they have a heart for all of the things that God desires. And you don't need to convince them of anything. It's not that they feel like they have to do these things. They actually want to do these things. I think it's so exciting to see what God is doing, not only at Bright Church, but in many other churches at the moment. It seems to be a very special time that we're living in right now. And I think personal devotion to God is a key to a move of the Holy Spirit. And it's the only way to sustain it. Because there could be a move of the Spirit, but if our hearts disconnect, the moment God's people stop praying and stop hungering for these things is the moment that we start to see things begin to dry up. And as God's people, we don't want to see that. Amen? Amen. We don't want to see that. We want to see things continue to be sustained. And that's why we're doing a series called Devoted. So I want to start with a scripture. It's out of Jonah chapter 1. And I'm only going to read to verse 3. And it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Jonah is a prophet in Israel. And it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh. Nineveh is filled with horrible people. No, really, guys, horrible people. And he says, Go, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. How many of you would love for God to be so clear with you in this way that he would say, I want you to stop what you're doing, to leave here, go there and do this. Like, wouldn't that be awesome? It would be great. I wish it was always this clear. Sometimes we're saying, which I think Esther, this came out of your mouth. You said, God, what do you want me to do? This is actually the title of my message today. God, what do you want me to do? Well, Jonah 
uh, hears this and he must have thought at this point, I heard you, but this must be a word for someone else because I'm a prophet to Israel, not to Nineveh. I don't want to leave here and go there. This must be a word for someone else. But the interesting thing about this is that God is speaking directly to Jonah. And I think we need to take note of this because Jonah doesn't get to choose the mission. Church, we don't always get to choose the mission. Sometimes God will come to you and speak to you and tell you, this is what I want you to do. And sometimes what we are looking for is this perfect place of alignment where our will crosses His will. And in that little part where they cross over, we say, I can meet you on that. I think we could find a project in that space together. Yeah, sure. I see where your will is going and where my will crosses over. Let's look for a little project in there. I don't think this is what we're meant to be doing with ministry. It's actually a little bit different. God says, give up what you were doing, your small ambitions, and get on board with my will. It's all about what He wants to do, right? Right? Okay. So in verse 3, it says, But Jonah rose... To flee to Tarshish. Just for a point of reference, if Nineveh was over here, Tarshish would be over here. All the way over here. He found the furthest place he could go. Why? To flee from the presence of the Lord, which is pretty silly. Since he's a prophet, he should know better than that. But it's amazing what some people will do to get away from what God wants them to do. It says he went down to a place. He went down to a place called Joppa. You might have heard about Joppa. It's an interesting city. It is coincidentally the same city that Peter, the apostle, that Peter was in, where he had a vision from the Holy Spirit to take the gospel to the Gentiles. It's the same city. Isn't that interesting? That from the same city, here is Jonah 700 years earlier than Peter. And he's at a port city where he can either follow the call of God or he can go in the opposite direction. Joppa is a place where people are making decisions. Many people have been in Joppa. In some ways, you are in Joppa right now. You can hear what God is asking you to do and you can make a decision from this place to either leave here today and do what He wants you to do or you could go to Tarshish. We'll see what happens. So it says he went down to Joppa and he found the ship going to Tarshish. So we paid the fare. It's amazing what some people will do. This guy's even paying to get out of the mission. I reckon that still happens. I don't want to do evangelism, but if I could just give my money to church and let, let the spiritual people do that. Can't someone with some kind of spiritual gift, they can do that stuff. I'm just here to do my thing. What's my thing? I give. So here he is giving to get out of mission. He says he went down to it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. It's amazing what some people will do to get away from the mission. Jonah was really a, only aligned with God while it worked for him. You know, it worked for him to be a prophet. When you're a prophet in Israel, it's, it's a big deal. And I think maybe he, he liked to be a prophet. There's some recognition there. But actually in this moment where God called him, maybe it didn't work for him. And so maybe for the first time who Jonah really is, is being exposed. It's on the outside because the moment that God asks him to do something that didn't align with Jonah's will, he, 
He decided to go somewhere else. I think that God often asks us not to wait till our wills cross over with His will, but actually what He's asking us to do is to lay down our will. I think our Saviour Jesus said that in the Garden of Gethsemane before He was crucified on a cross to pay the penalty for sins. He said, I would rather not do this. He said, but not my will be done, but your will be done. He said that to his Father who is in heaven. So God is asking many of us, not do you feel comfortable with this? And do you really want to do this? He's saying, lay that down and get on board with what I'm asking you to do. It's not my will be done. It's my Father's will be done. And people have often said to God, I want to do things for you and I'll serve you. In fact, somebody said it to Jesus. He was a very rich man. And he said it to Jesus. What do you want me to do? I'll do whatever you want me to do. And Jesus went, okay, well, um, how about you sell everything and give it to the poor? Come and follow me. And he was like, nah, nah. Like, is, what are your other projects that you have going on right now? What are the other things that you do? What, I, I was thinking maybe I could do more preaching or something, you know? Like, I, I, I'm, happy to, I'm happy to get involved, but not at that level. It's so funny. Here's this guy that the, the Savior of the world is literally saying, come with me. And he's like, let's find something else to work on together. It's funny how some people are just, you know, do not like sacrifice to the point that they walk away from what God has asked them to do. And I think that what God is often looking for is a church that wants to get on board with His will. You know, the, the truth is, I don't know who, whoever said this, but someone once famously said, you know, the church doesn't have a mission. The mission of God has a church. God has a mission for planet Earth and He is using the church to outwork that. And when we get His heart for the overarching emphasis, and you look at the New Testament and there is this overarching emphasis of bringing the Kingdom of God into the lives of people, reaching the lost, helping them to know who Jesus is. That There is this big overarching idea. So they plan churches to facilitate this kind of ministry. And when we get that, I think we realize that, you know what, it's not about all of us doing our individual missions. And, and sure, maybe we have that, but the church has an overarching overarching mission and it's His will that we would reach people that are far from Him. You know, when a person gives their life to Jesus, it does sound like a very good idea. It does. God will forgive you of all of your sins. So day one is very good. And what does it cost you? Nothing, right? It costs Him everything. Jesus gave His life for it, but it costs you nothing. So salvation is free. But everything after that will cost you. I mean, if you decide to make a decision to follow Jesus, following Him will cost you, well, everything. I have to talk about the resources that you have, finite resources. You have time, talent, and treasure. And these are things that by God's grace, you live in this age, at this time, in this country, like if God is either sovereign or He's not. And so you have this resource. And because of who God is, He gives you the ability to use that resource how you seem fit. But if God was here right now and speaking directly to us, I think He would say something that we already all know, which is that we should use those three things, those finite resources to build something that's eternal. That we should use the things that God has given to us to what? To build the kingdom of God, to advance the work of the church 
to make sure that the gospel is preached. So it wouldn't just be contained to this space. And the more that we resource it with time, talent, treasure, the stuff that we have, the more the church gets on board with God's purpose and mission, the more we see that advance across the earth. You know, I, I think that there's a lot of things that we can give our time to. There's a lot of things that we can give our energy and our, our resource to. But the reason why we should give our time and our talent to these things is because in a thousand, thousand years, that will still be making a difference. That will still be making a difference. Everything that we do with our resource here will make a difference in the light of eternity, which is why this is such an incredibly important thing that we understand. But we can often be so worried about other things in this life that we forget that that's the mission that God is calling us to. We can get caught up in all kinds of things, to be honest. I think people worry about way too much. We spend too much time worrying about things that in all honesty are not going to make a difference in a week. People are worried about it, but a week from now, you won't even be thinking about it. Maybe it's a, a year from now. Maybe it's a decade from now. But if we always give our worry to the things of this world and we don't start to be concerned with the things that are beyond it, I feel like we're going to waste our time, talent and treasure. We're going to waste the season, the window of opportunity that we have as a church. And I, I look at this thing that, that God is asking Jonah to do and I think, what is, why is Jonah so worried about the wrong things? Like here he is trying to flee and get away. I, I am honestly thinking, Jonah, why are you trying to get out of this? Why are you trying to get out of doing this thing? Like, let me ask you, church, right? Is it not a good thing that God has asked Jonah to go to the city and ask them to repent? Is that a good thing? Yeah. We could, could we agree on that together? Yeah. Okay, so it's a good thing. And I'm thinking, Jonah, why are you trying to get out of a good thing? Well, maybe you have more in common with Jonah than you think. Have you ever tried to get out of something that you know you're supposed to do? Have you ever done that? There's a lot of dishonest people here right now. <laughs> Something that you know you're supposed to do and you just really don't want to do it. I thought I'll lowball you today. Let's start with something that's not even spiritual, but just the tensions that you have, right? Let's say, have you ever, <laughs> have you ever taken a piece of rubbish out and, and thrown it at the bin and it, it just misses? It's just landed next to it. And you know you're supposed to pick that up, right? But there's people around and you're like, oh, it's going to be really obvious, right? Anything, I'm supposed to do it. And, and because you're good people, you're like, all right. And so you go over there to pick it up. So it's going to be obvious that you missed the bin. And you go to pick it up. Just as you get there, a gust of wind blows that thing just a few feet away, right? And you have a thought. And your thought is, does the responsibility still belong to me? I'm fighting the elements. You know, like, is this still, everybody, surely, surely everyone's going to understand. Oh, well, you know, once the wind blows it away, that belongs to the Lord. You know, like, once that, you shouldn't have sent the, the gust of wind, but, but you know that you're supposed to do it. So you're like, 
now you feel kind of dumb because you know you're starting to run after your own rubbish as it blows down the street and you're like have you ever tried have you ever done that and, and you you try to get close and you're like and you feel like a complete idiot but you know you you're like and finally you get it and you're like oh you know and you and you put it in the bin and, and and the reason why you have all those thoughts is you know there are people around you looking at you as you try to chase after something you you, you feel like you look a bit silly and because you care too much about what other people think you don't do what you're supposed to do it's amazing how people are controlled by the opinions of others you're too worried about what other people might think you might have more in common with Jonah than you realize you know maybe one of the reasons why the thing that you don't do is tell people at work that you're a Christian or pray for someone at work is because you're still worried about what the other people will think but could I say in the apex of opinions at the very top would it not be more important to worry about what God thinks in this life I mean, you'll have eternity to think about all of these things. I mean, imagine pursuing the lower level worries first and, and spending your life in pursuit of the opinions of other people. Let me tell you something right now. You're never going to make everyone happy anyway. So you might as well make God happy because Him being happy with what you do on earth is probably the most important thing that you could live for. It's amazing how many people worry about what other people think. You may have more in common with Jonah than you realize. Here's Jonah, a prophet to Israel. And as I said before, if you're a prophet to Israel, you are honoured and revered. When a prophet would speak, it was as if the presence of God was right there in that moment. So from a New Testament perspective, we talk about being filled with the presence of God. Back then, completely different paradigm. Back then, when a prophet spoke, it was like everyone revered them because it was as if God was right there in that moment and they really revered that. So it's nice to be in Israel and have that kind of appreciation for your prophetic gift, okay? The people of Nineveh were not like that. <laughs> The people of Nineveh did not honour and revere the prophets. They didn't really care too much about what they said. And so I told you that the people in Nineveh, they were horrible people. Maybe you just thought that I was being mean. I wasn't. Let me tell you something about the people of Nineveh. They uh, would torture people in the most horrific ways and they perfected the art of it. You know, the Roman cross was a vertical cross. As we know, they hung Jesus on it. They perfected that art of torture. But even before that, the people uh, in Nineveh, they had a cross that wasn't like a vertical cross. It was leaned over, like an, more like an X. And they would tie up people's hands and legs and they would come along and they perfected the art of this cut so they could cut open their bellies and they could watch their own guts spill onto the ground and they made sure they did it so that they could see it while they were alive so they knew that they were going to die but not only would they be filled with fear they had to watch all of that take place I wasn't lying when I said they were pretty horrible people and so here they were and and you know doing this ministry and, and uh, not ministry like doing this torture <laughs> and uh <laughs> You know, you know what's funny is that no one blinked. Everyone, yeah, that's good. But no, it was torture. And so here comes God and he says, hey, Jonah, I want you to go and stop that level of ministry. That shouldn't be happening in ministry. And no, I want you to go and, and, and speak to these people because he says their evil has come up before me. And, and, and here is Jonah's first opportunity to really be obedient. It worked for Jonah being a prophet in Israel, but now he wants to be, God wants to send him to to Nineveh and I don't think it's really obedience when the only things that we say yes to when it comes to God are all the things that align with our will 
It's not really obedience. That's how you can actually be a disobedient person, but it's not until God asks you to do something that you really don't want to do that that thing is exposed. Because for a lot of people, they are looking for alignment. Yes, God, I'm willing to say yes, provided it works on my time, my schedule. And, and there are a few projects that maybe we can work together on when this time is right for me, but that's not what God asks His people to do. Actually, what He asks us to do is, is lay down our lives. And you see this, you even see this kind of mentality and thinking creeping into the church today. I'll, I'll give you an example. Definitely not in this church. But I have been in services and seen services online and so forth where people will say, hey, you can't outgive God. And when you give to Him, He will uh, give you more back. I'm talking about giving financially. So they say, well, give to God and you'll get more back. And what are they trying to do? They're trying to leverage God in that moment. And that's bad theology, by the way. That's actually legalism. That's this idea that, you know, you can't outgive God. So you give and then he has to give more back as if you can somehow put God in debt. God, guys, listen, when Jesus Christ paid the penalty on the cross for our sins, it was in that moment that he outgave us. Everything from there on in is gratitude and thankfulness and we want to build the kingdom of God because we're devoted. So we don't want to become legalistic. But when somebody says something like that, what are they trying to do? They're trying to get people to give. Why? Because their real motivation is, I want to be more wealthy. And that's not about sacrifice. That's about wanting more back. And you can see how it starts to get tricky. I've been in conferences, I'm not even kidding. I've been in conferences where I've seen somebody come out to take up the offering at, at the church or at the conference or whatever it is, and they start to speak. And I start to think, this must be the main speaker. This has been going for 10 minutes. Why are we still talking about this? And I have honestly been caught off guard and I thought, they've introduced the wrong guy, right? but it was like a 15 minute giving message. The main preacher was still coming. And you know what I think, honestly, when I see that kind of a thing, it's like, I think, by the way, I think it's okay if you're gonna share a message on giving financially, that's important too. You know why? Because Jesus spoke a lot about money and our relationship to it defines who our God is. So I'm not saying that we shouldn't speak about those things, but I am saying that if every giving message is 15 minutes long and leveraging everything that you can to, to you know, I'm saying you don't have to do that with people that are devoted. Like when I hear that kind of a thing, you know what I honestly think? And this is just me personally. I think there's no need to do all that. There's no need, don't dangle the carrot, bro. Just tell me that when I give, it's going to advance the work of the church. It'll build the kingdom of God. People will get saved and I'm in. Seriously, I'm in. Like, I, I don't know about you, four people clapped about giving. Right, great, right. Seriously, I don't need to be, uh, uh, you know, pumped up to do that. I, I want to give. Why? Because I care about what God is doing on planet earth. People that have the heart of God are devoted to what He wants them to do. I'm telling you right now, guys, it's a heart thing. And if you get the heart thing right, everything else will flow in your life. It's not about have to, it's about, man, I really want to do this. So I look at this story about Jonah, who tries to get out of the giving of his time and even his God-given talent, his, the grace that's on his life, he tries to get out of it by going to Tarshish. And I realized that, you know, we can easily do this now. You don't need to go to Tarshish to get out of the mission. 
Listen, you could be going to church every week and getting out of the mission because you kind of got to opt in for that one. You could be going to church every week and not doing anything on mission, but you're just around spiritual people and around a spiritual environment and it feels nice, you know. When I talk about the mission, which mission? The Great Commission. It's the thing that God asked all of us to do, to share the gospel with people that don't know who He is, right? And every single one of us, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're meant to do this. And I've realized that the more opportunities you look for, the more opportunities present themselves. And so wherever you are, if you're always thinking, God, how can you use me in this moment to advance your kingdom? You'll be surprised what you see. So like even, even yesterday, I, I'm at a basketball game, watching my son play basketball and I was on the scorer's bench. I sat next to a lady and she's watching her son. So you know what? Captive audience. <laughs> she can't really go anywhere. Uh, so we're starting to talk. Oh, who's your son? Where do they go to school? I said, oh, you know, I used to go to that school. We're, we're beginning a conversation about school. And, and she says, so um, were you a good student? And that's all I needed, by the way, for everything else to unfold. I said, no, I wasn't really a good student because I felt like I had no vision for my life, no purpose, no, no sense of direction. I didn't really take advantage of all the things in, in, in school, you know. And she went, ah. Oh. So what did you end up doing? Well, I ended up going to, uh, uh, you know, when I finished school, I went and, and did a bachelor and a degree that I, that I would never, ever use because at that point in my life, I had no vision. You know, I thank God, you know, things have changed. So what do you do now? I'm so glad that you asked that because I, I, right now I, I went through this period in my life where I was working in a sales job and would you believe it now I'm a pastor. What made you do that? Well, I'm so glad that you asked that. Would you really like to hear the story? Yes, I would. I said, okay. So by this stage, it's half time. And the, and the ref comes over and they flick the clock and there's a three minute break in half time. I am on the clock. It's a tight game. I'm going to have to get this thing done before we go into the second half because I'm going to lose it. She's sitting there. There's a clock in the background so I can time everything. <laughs> Two and a half minutes later, I have shared my story and what God did in my life. Seriously, two and a half minutes to the point that she goes, oh my gosh, I've got goosebumps just listening to that story. I'm like, oh man, God is real. And I started sharing about that. She said, you know, my kids, they go to the school that you used to go to and they think, it's, they, they, they think this, that stuff is pretty boring. I said, yeah. I said, look, when I went there, I thought it was boring too. I literally said, I think it's a sin to bore people with a message this good. But at the end of it all, I said, hey, listen, if you don't have a church, you should tell your kids to come to our church because we've got loads of youth and they love it, right? And she's like, I just might do that. And, and you know, like here I am, I'm, I'm, I'm scoring on the bench. I'm watching everything happen because I'm doing, listen, if you've ever done this job, I'm doing the buttons. I'm putting the score up. Everyone is on top of what you're doing. They are judging you with their judgy eyes. You know, stop the clock. You know, and I know, I know what I'm doing. So, but if you've done it, you know, when you know, you know. So, Anyway, this is this, but what, I'm, what am I saying? I'm saying you look for opportunity. It's amazing what you'll find. A conversation about, oh, how, was, how, was, uh, how did you go at school? And I'm able to share the gospel. And it's, it's, that's not a unique thing to me. I think that whenever we're looking for opportunities, we, we find them. And it, I, I think it's incumbent on us as people that are followers of Jesus to do that. And I, I want to tell you why, because Mark chapter 16, verse 15 to 16 says this. Jesus speaking 
to his disciples said, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole of creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Now the disciples heard the same words that I just read to you. But it's funny how some people hear what's being said and they receive it as something else. Because that's what Jesus said, but Peter and the other disciples must have heard, go to Israel, because that's all they did. And it wasn't until Acts chapter 10, when Peter was in where? Joppa. That he had a vision from the Holy Spirit and realised that this message is meant to be for really all the people in the world. It took all the way till then, the Great Commission, till Acts chapter 10, before they realised, wait, it's not just meant to be for Israel. This really is meant to be for everybody. And, and when I read that scripture, I'll, I'll tell you this right now. You will not feel the weight of the scripture that I just read to you if you think that what I just read is something that belongs to someone else. You will not feel the weight of it. You will not feel the weight of it. You could, you could come to church, go to small group, even serve on a team. You could listen to every word I'm saying right now. And as long as you think what I said was for someone else, you will never feel the weight of that scripture. I don't want anyone to be under the impression that that belongs to someone else. So could you just indulge me a moment and look at the person next to you and say with some sass, hey! Yeah. Some of you are not doing it, Dale. Yep. That's the second time in two weeks. <laughs> Look at each other and say, hey, hey, this is for you. Look at the other person and say, hey, hey. this is for you. All right. Paul Luke has got not someone next to him. Just lean forward, someone tap him on the shoulder. Hey, this is for you. All right. Like five people are doing it. Now you know it's for you. Like, what? Listen, listen, listen. It's for you. This is not for someone else, this is for you. This is what you're supposed to be doing. And when I read this scripture and I get to verse 16 and it says, the people that don't believe will be condemned. Do you know what that means? That word condemned, it means that they're guilty, found guilty. Why? Because Jesus has paid the price for the penalty of sin but it's only paid for those who receive it. So people have to make a decision to have Jesus pay for their sins. And they make that decision by giving their lives to Him, by asking Him to forgive them of the wrong things that they've done. And every person that doesn't do that will actually at some point stand before God and it says that they'll be found guilty. And when you read that, Does your heart skip a beat? Or have you just heard that so many times that it's just another scripture you read 
on the way to the Gospel of John. It's the next book. You just breeze past it. How many of us read that and have our hearts arrested at that point? That there will be people that actually have no idea who He is. And you'd think that if, if people really understood this, that they'd give their whole lives to changing that. It's weird that Jonah didn't want to do it. I guess Jonah, maybe he didn't feel like they deserved God's grace. Or maybe he was full of fear because he'd heard the stories and the rumors around what people, what happens to people that disagree with a Ninevite. And so instead he'd said, oh, I'm not doing that. It's too dangerous for me. I, I, I want to go the other direction. It's interesting to me. Here's Jonah and Peter in the city of Joppa, both in the same city, 700 years apart with a decision in front of them. Seems to be this place of decision, the valley of decision. They can either choose at this point to hear what God has asked and go out and be obedient and do everything that He's asked them to do, or they can go in another direction and say that mission belongs to someone else. Every person in this room has been in Joppa. Some of you are in Joppa right now, hearing what I'm saying and walking out of this place, either to go in the direction that God is asking or to say, no, 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 let that belong to someone else. We've all been in the place of decision before. And what will you do? Could I give you some advice? Do not run from this mission, run to this mission. Do not run from this mission, run to this mission. And I'll tell you why. Because the Apostle Paul, speaking of himself and Timothy, he wrote to a church in Corinth and he said to them, hey, listen, let me explain to you how this works. And I'll read it to you at a 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. It said that God is what? Entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. He says, therefore, we are what? We are what? An ambassador is someone that is sent on behalf of another person who carries authority in that space. You are ambassadors of Christ. He says, an ambassador for Christ, God making His appeal through us. This message has really been about God. What do you want me to do? Like, God, what do you want me to do? You must have prayed that before. And I don't know everything that God is going to ask you to do in your life, but I can tell you one thing that He's asking you today, and that is this. And if you remember anything from my message, please let it be this, to live like you are sent. That's what He's asking, to live like you are sent. How does that work? Well, it just means that everywhere where you are, at that moment in time, believe that you are sent to change that situation or maybe to change that circumstance. If something needs the intervention of God and you happen to be there, don't consider yourself there by luck. Consider yourself there by grace. Consider yourself there by divine appointment. Consider yourself there by God's sovereignty and say, hey, thank God that I am here to speak to that person and change that situation. You've got to see yourself as sent. Because every person that follows Jesus is an ambassador for Christ and He sends us out into the world to represent Him so that we can change that world. 
You know, I remember years ago being at work and I watched a person walk into my workplace. God said to me, He said, that person there, that person has a terminal illness. And I said, right. And He said, I want you to tell them that I love them. And I thought, right. I don't know how to work this into a conversation, but let's just start with hello. <laughs> hello. I said, hi, how are you doing? And the person said, yeah, I'm good. And I said, oh, okay. I was like, are you really good? He's like, yeah, I'm good. I'm like, really? He's like, well, maybe not so good. Ah, tell me about that. He said, well, I, I'm not so good. I'm, I'm a little bit sick. And I said, oh, like a cold? Nah, not like a cold. He said, I've actually more like cancer. He said, I've got a colostomy bag. And he said, I'm actually having a terrible time right now. I said, look, I've got to be honest with you. <laughs> the reason I kept asking you if you're okay is because when you walked in, God told me that you were not well. And God told me to let you know that He loves you so much. And in that moment, He just broke. I mean, He was, He, <laughs> he burst into tears and He looks at me and He's wiping tears away. And He says, you don't even know how much I needed to hear that today. What was that? That's a word of knowledge. It's one of those things that the Spirit of God gives you to bring transformation into the life of another person. And I just saw myself as sent to be in that spot at that moment to help that man. Do you see what I'm saying? Like when you see yourself as sent, it changes the way that you look at everything. Things aren't chance anymore. You realize that God is sovereign and you realize that you're there to help in some way. I have a number of stories where I share the gospel with different people, but there's one that always gets me. And I remember many years ago, I had this lady and I used to work in a liquor store at this time. And so she was a regular customer, like every day coming in and buying a cask of wine. Can you imagine how inappropriate it would be for me in that job to ask somebody if they were drinking too much? <laughs> it wasn't in our business plan, you know? But it was, it was at the point where I thought, I've got to ask this person if they're okay. And when I saw her, I felt God's love for her. And so I said, hey, I said, this is really unprofessional. But um, I said, oh, you're in here every day. You seem like a beautiful person. And I just wanted to ask if everything is okay. Because obviously you buy this cask like every day. I just want to make sure that you're all right. And she said, well, actually, she said, I have a sleeping issue. And the only way that I can get to sleep uh, is, to, is to drink. So I drink until I can fall asleep. It's the only thing that, that gets me there. I said, oh, I'm very sorry to hear that. And I started trying to build a relationship with this person. And I remember one particular day I was, I was working on the register. And I saw this person walk past my store. She didn't actually come into the store that day. She just walked past the store. And I, I, was, I remember in that moment being st struck by how much God loves her and seeing her walk away in that moment. I literally said, I said this, it was so weird, but I said, oh, I said, I called out one of the people. I said, you need to take over this register. I'll be back in a minute. And I remember running outside the door. I said, hey, and I called out to her and she stopped and she turned around 
I said, hey, I just want to ask, how are you going? How's your life? And I remember that she, um, <clears throat> that she stopped and she looked at me and she had tears in her eyes. And she asked me and she said, why do you, why do you always ask me these questions? She said, why are you so kind to me? Why are you even taking an interest, you know, in my life? She said, I have a father and I've had a boyfriend for years. And she said, they don't care about me like you do. And I said, well, this might sound really strange, but I said, the truth is, is that God loves you and so do I. I said, I actually care about your life. And I said, I care what happens to you. I shared the gospel with her. And I just think it's such a privilege to be there at specific points in people's lives when they need God and they're looking for hope. And it gets to be you. And it gets to be me. And I feel like people that have a heart for God are the same people who break for the things that breaks God's heart. And if you have a heart for God, you'll find it hard to walk past people and not be filled with some level of compassion to see their lives change. And thank God you're there. But it's never gonna happen unless you see yourself as sent. If you see yourself as sent, you'll look for it. If you see yourself as sent, you'll, you'll realise that it's not chance and it's not luck. It's God putting you there to change the life of somebody else. What an honour. What an honour. To make a difference in the life of somebody for eternity. What I would love to do today is to pray for every single person who now, maybe before this, but now, you say, I do. I see myself as sin. Can you stand to your feet? Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.